Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. We're going to be in Galatians 5 this morning, getting back to our series on the gifts of the Spirit. It seems like there's 500 of them because just different things come along and we're not uh, able to uh, attend to them every Sunday morning. Thankful for everybody's prayers uh, from this church. Amen. Concerning me last weekend and then trip, I was able to go, uh, although my body wasn't totally back. And as a matter of fact, I can only say that maybe perhaps as yesterday that I felt totally 100% back as myself, so I'm thankful unto the Lord for that and the prayers of these people uh, that send up prayers. Don't quit sending up prayers. There's other people that need to just shift the object of uh, your prayer, amen, today. Galatians chapter number 5, I want to begin reading with verse 22, which has been our where we have sprung from for several weeks concerning the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The one that we are on today is the very last one mentioned in verse 22 this morning. I want to talk to you a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit, faith, today faith today, if you will. Lord Jesus, I come to you this morning. God, we're grateful, Lord, to be able to be in your house. Thankful, Lord, for your healing virtue that have touched, Lord, many bodies. We pray, God, that we'll continue to touch others. We pray, oh, Lord, today, open up our mind of our understanding, Jesus, today. God, as we look at your word, grant us understanding. Let your anointing and your spirit touch us anew and afresh, God, in this place. And we'll not fail, Lord, to thank you and praise you, God, for what you do in this house. Bring every mind, Lord God, into obedience, Lord Jesus, to you today. Let it be concentrated upon you this morning. God, as we give you glory, Lord Jesus, and honor in this place. Every teacher, God, that is teaching, Lord, in classes today, we pray, God, that your word will find a lodging place in the lives of those that hear it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen. And the church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. If you've not been here for any of the weeks of our Fruit of the Spirit study, Uh, You're okay because it's not necessarily that you have had to be here for the previous nine in order to glean from this one this morning. Faith, when we talk about faith, faith is spoken of much in Scripture. If If it's not spoken of directly by word, there are concepts and ideas throughout God's word that demonstrate faith. Many of the miracles... Uh, that are even evidenced in the Old Testament were, were nothing more but products of men or women or group of people that exercised faith. And so when we talk about faith this morning concerning the Scripture, it can cover a broad spectrum of meanings in the Bible whenever you talk about faith. And so with that being said, I think it's important this morning for our purposes of Galatians 5 to consider the faith that we're not talking about. The faith that we're not talking about. And so this faith in Galatians 5 that we're we're not talking about, we're not talking about a system of doctrines or dogmas referred to as the one truth that we would embrace. Many times in scriptures the Bible speaks of 
people having giving ear to the faith. That is talking about a system of doctrines or dogmas, a belief system that we embrace. That even Ephesians 4 speaks of how there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And what it's speaking of there is that, that system of doctrines, that system of beliefs, that, we, that, that one truth that we embrace and we bring into our lives. And many times, even in New Testament Scripture, when it's spoken along those lines, it is spoken of not just faith, but the faith. The faith, an indication of the one and only faith. So we're not talking about that type of faith in Galatians 5 this morning. Neither, though, are we talking about the gift of faith, uh, the fruit of the Spirit known as faith and the, the gift of the Spirit known as faith are two different things, two different things. We're not talking about the gift of faith that is spoken of in 1 Corinthians 12. It's in 1 Corinthians 12 that all the gifts of the Spirit are listed there, speaking about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, prophecy, discerning the Spirit, gifts of healing, miracles, faith is listed among those. That is not what we're talking about in Galatians chapter number 5. For that matter, whenever you talk about gifts of the Spirit, and we're talking about fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit sometimes can be utilized by a person or someone, and they are normally used for the purpose of edifying the body of Christ. They're used for the building up, if you will, of the church as a whole. And I think it's also important to remember concerning gifts of the Spirit. They're not meant, gifts of the Spirit are not meant to, to substantiate or establish the character of an individual. I know sometimes people walk around and say, man, they were used in, in the discerning of spirit of word of wisdom. They must really be spiritual. That's not necessarily the case. Gifts of the Spirit are not to substantiate or to establish that someone has a character that is just more noteworthy than your character. That's not the case of them all. As a matter of fact, for that matter, in the, in the Corinthian church where we find in 1 Corinthians the gifts of the Spirit, the Bible says that they were used extensively in the gifts and they came behind in no gift. They didn't lack in any gift, yet they're also labeled throughout 1 and 2 Corinthians as being very carnal. So being used in the gifts doesn't necessarily verify the ultimate character in an individual. Amen. And likewise, we're not talking about the gift of the Spirit, but the gift of the Spirit, they're very important to the effectiveness, if you will, the, of the operation of the church. But they're not necessarily essential for our own personal growth, but they are for the growth of us together being known as the church. Amen. So the thing is, if you're not used in one or if you're not used in any of the gifts of the Spirit, that doesn't negate the fact that you can't be fruitful in the Spirit with the fruit of the Spirit. So there's two different things, the gift of the Spirit of faith, but there is a fruit of the Spirit that we're talking about today that is also called faith. Also, when we consider faith, the Bible speaks to us. We're not talking about this this morning, but neither is the measure of faith. That's been given, the Bible says, or has been dealt to every man. That, that is not necessarily the faith that we're talking about in Galatians 5 today. The measure of faith, if I would talk to, about it for a moment, the measure of faith, the Bible says, that every man has been dealt is a result of the mercy and grace of God. It's a result of the mercy and grace of God. And what that measure of faith each of us has, has received or been given uh, from God, this measure of faith, what that does enable you and I to seek after and to believe in God. 
As a matter of fact, there's nobody that's been left in the world without a capacity to believe in God. I'll go on record in saying that the atheist, although he believes there was no God, my scripture says that every man, including him, has been given a capacity for faith in God. Amen. The Bible says in Romans 12 and verse 3, it says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, look now, according as God hath dealt, there it is, to every man the measure of faith. That's not what we're speaking of in Galatians 5. Again, though, concerning this measure. This measure means a, a limited or a degree or portion of faith. Amen. That every individual, as I said, has a capacity or a potential to have, if you will, faith. And since God has given every person a, a limited portion or a degree of faith, he's not, though, given them all faith. That's what we condition and grow in with the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. God's given us a starting place, but it's kind of like he's given us the seed, but we need to plant the seed in order for it to grow and flourish and become more than what it was to begin with. So he's given us a starting place. But the fruit of the Spirit is it growing and maturing, becoming more than what it was to begin with. And that's proven again and again that God hasn't given us all faith because the Bible speaks at different degrees of faith. It speaks of some. He spoke to them. He said, oh, ye of little faith. Then he spoke to another that exercised a certain amount of faith. And he said, I'm not seeing so great faith. And the disciples at one time came to the Lord and gathered around him. And they said, Lord, increase our faith. So we're saying we got a measure, but we're saying we want to go on beyond that. We want to increase in that and grow in that. And what that is, is the fruit of the Spirit. Where it matures, where it grows, where it increases and becomes more than what it was to begin with. Amen. And so back to this measure, though, this measure of faith that's been given to everybody. What that does is enable us to believe and to trust in God for our salvation, for our change, for our experiences. Remember the Bible tells us that he that comes to God must believe what? That he is. The Bible also tells us in Ephesians that we are saved what? By grace through faith. So there is nothing any more basic to salvation than faith. Amen. It's very basic to salvation. You got to believe. You got to have faith. And the problem with the measure of faith is that people believe that all that they must need to do is have faith and they're saved. All right? The Bible says in Romans 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, if I were to take this one scripture, I would think if I can confess, if I can believe that God raised Christ from the dead, boom, I'm saved. All right? And that's the way that some purport that verse of scripture. And it is true though this. That nobody. Everybody say nobody. Nobody, nobody can be saved without faith. But conversely. Faith by itself can save no one. We err when we want to take one scripture. Isolate it and use it for doctrine. Like Romans 10.9. Confess. Believe this. You're saved. The Bible says to us in 2 Timothy 3.16, if I can remind us, 
All, everybody say all. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And if I can just interject here, all those scriptures are profitable for doctrine. All those scriptures are profitable for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness. So with that being said, not just a scripture, but all scripture. And so if I'm just going to take one scripture, will you allow me just to go through a few? Just a case in point. Glad. I thank you. I appreciate that. Acts chapter number 2 and verse 21. The Bible says, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, if I were to take this scripture, I call on the Lord, I'm saved. Well, the other scripture told me if I confess to the Lord and believe that God raised him up, I'm saved. So which is it? Both. The Bible says in Acts 16, 31, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. Now, one told me to call, the other one told me to believe. Which is it? One's not working against the other. See, we got to understand that one's not working against the other. One is working with the other. It takes confession, yes. It takes belief in the work of Christ, yes. It takes calling, yes. It takes all of that in order to be saved. Mark 16, 16. Now look at this. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. But they that believe not shall be damned. Romans 8, 24. For we are saved by hope. Now see, if you're taking one verse, I, but we even have all kinds of different categories of people. Well, these are the people over here that believe it just takes hope to be saved. These are people over here that just believe you just call upon the Lord and be saved. These people over here just believe you got to believe. These people over here just believe you got to believe. No, 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 no. You need to take all of them and draw a big circle around them. It takes all of that. It takes belief. It takes baptism. It takes faith. It takes help. All of that in order to be saved. The Bible says in Luke 7 and verse 50, and he said to the woman, thy faith, there it is, have saved thee. Go in peace. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 5, even faith by hope with grace, all of that together constitutes salvation. Yes, Amen. Yes, For you and I. Now the Bible says in James 2, verse 14, he said, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man shall, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith save him? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. He says, we, what we kind of boil it down to, faith without works is dead. So you can't have a living faith, right? You can't have a living faith without works. So when we talk about Today's society was going to separate faith and works. Faith and works, two isolated things, separate concepts. That's not what I understand in Scripture. Because the only way that there's faith, living faith, is if there's works with it. If there isn't works, then it's dead. It's non-existence. So it's not faith in our terminology. It's not faith plus works or, or faith versus works. It's faith that works. Someone say amen. Faith that works. One bears the other. Amen. They are two partners. They're not in crime. They are in the productivity of our Christian lives. You can have works without faith, but you cannot have a living faith without works. Someone say amen. And I'm still just talking about the measure of faith for now, okay? Because that's our springboard. That's our starting place. So Ephesians that we love, Ephesians there too in verse 8, that talks about we are saved by grace through faith. Living faith is never alone. It's accompanied by works. Everybody say works. Now, here we go. I know I've had to use this illustration somewhere in the past, but let me use it again. 
Here's a for instance. Pastor McGee is out in the ocean. Was actually this past week. Drowning. I did not go that far. I'm out in the ocean drowning. And while I'm out there drowning, someone throws to me a life preserver. Those nice, nice little oversized donuts that you can't put in your coffee cup. Someone throws me a life preserver. For our purposes, we'll call the life preserver grace. Someone extends a life preserver. If I, if I can, someone extends grace to me. Me, understanding what that is, seeing this, it's hope also to me. I reach out and grab the preserver. I might even put it down over top of my body and underneath my arms. And in reality, folks, I would be an idiot. Maybe that's a harsh word. I would be an idiot if I did not grab the preserver because I had this concept. Watch me now. I can't grab that because if I do, that's me being saved by works. Is someone hearing me right now? See, works alone will not do it because what I demonstrate here is faith that works. Whenever I reached out to that life preserver, I reached out to that grace that was extended to me. That was a living faith that was at work. I believed that it could help me in my circumstance. And my belief in that had me to put confidence in that. In so much that I reached out and grabbed a hold of it. I had faith in what the preserver could do for me or with me and I reacted by grabbing it and so in essence if I could say this morning I was saved by grace that was extended me but through the action of my own faith that caused me to do something so it's not of yourselves the Bible says it's the gift of God Amen. It's the gift. Well, what's the gift of God? The Bible speaks how he has given grace to us. But also, I already told you today, and we looked at it in Scripture, that he's given to every man a measure of faith to us. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Because I could reach all day long, but there wasn't there to reach anything there to reach for. You hear me? Amen. The, 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 the life preserver of grace on the hook somewhere in a lifeguard's office doesn't benefit me anything. But because grace has been given to me and faith has been given to me, when I put the two together and I reach out for that grace and I act upon that faith that I have, there's salvation, there is a saving, there is a del delivering me from my dilemma that takes place. Because if grace had never been extended, we would have never had an opportunity to be saved. Grace isn't salvation. Grace is the opportunity provided for salvation. Someone say amen. amen. Galatians 3, 26. I'll get to my lesson probably toward the end. I don't know. Galatians 3, 26. The Bible says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. 27. For, because of, given us reason here, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For, as many a, of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Living faith, faith that is accompanied with works, which means it's not dead. Living faith is demonstrated by obedience. Living faith is demonstrated by obedience. And so by faith, he says, we become the children of God. 
Someone say, well, there it is. Just take that one verse. We are saved by faith. Yes, true. But not faith alone. Because the scripture continues in verse 27. For because of, as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. The scripture continues after saying that we've been saved by faith. And it goes on starting talking about us. For because of, we've been saved by faith because of, if I can, for the word for. That's literally what it can mean. Because of. I've been saved by faith because of I've also been baptized into Christ and I put on Christ. So why does he say that we're saved by faith and then go on and start talking about baptism? Why is he doing that? Amen. If we just got saved by our faith because living faith will materialize with some works, with obedience to the gospel, with obedience to the word of God. With repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That's a faith that works. That is a faith that goes beyond just understanding, but also being obedient to what it knows. Someone say amen. The word faith in the Bible comes from a Greek word that means this. Persuasion. To have confidence in, to convince, or to relay by inward certainty a moral conviction or attitude of the heart. If I can say this, faith is a step above belief. Because many people believe with their mind, but they have faith from their heart. It's a moral conviction or attitude of the heart. Listen to this. This is the definition of faith. There in the Greek language. It refers to that which is yielding to the control of something. It refers to that which is yielding to the control of something. Now here, common sense, folks. When you yield yourself to the control of of another when you yield to another there is obedience involved Mm -hmm. when you yield your members your body whatever it may be to the control of another there is obedience involved and so therefore faith cannot be separated from obedience and obedience cannot be separated from faith see after you receive the Holy Ghost and God's spirit is in your life if you'll allow if you'll be obedient You'll be obedient to that spirit that you receive. It will desire to cultivate inside of our life a greater degree of faith than what God had dealt with, dealt to rather, every man in history. The faith then listed in Galatians 5 is the attribute of faith. Not, not the faith of doctrines, not the gift of not the gift of the Spirit. Not that, not the measure of faith, but it's the attribute of faith that has grown and matured from a small seed, you could say, into something very much so beautiful. And whenever you talk about the attribute of faith and faith in its infancy and in its full grownness, if I can say it like that, all consists of and deals with obedience. As we obey the Lord through our faith, as we obey the scriptures through our faith, our faith increases. Our faith grows. The Bible says in Romans 1 and verse number 16, it states these words. The Apostle Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now look at verse 17. For therein, therein where? The gospel. For therein, the gospel it is, is the righteousness of God revealed from what? From faith 
to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He said the righteousness of God has been revealed in the gospel. The death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The righteousness of God. And it's from faith to faith. What are we talking about? It's from the faith, the measure of faith that he has given to every man. It's from there to the attribute of faith, which is the fruit of the Spirit, that you can mature into and grow into in Christ Jesus. And he sums it all up like this. He says the just shall live by faith. He says, in this process of life, from beginning to end, he says, it is a faith walk. What does the Bible say? We walk not by sight, but we walk by what? Faith. We walk by faith. And walking by faith includes a living faith, which means works. Walking by faith, which is a living faith, then also means obedience. Here, children, when they're born, are not just from the go, obedient. If you have one of those children, come and talk to me because there's something wrong with your child. If you think that they're okay, come talk to me. There's something wrong with you. But from the word go, that's not the way it is. It is a walk, if you will, of faith, works, and obedience. And as they grow older, they should, hopefully, there's ups and downs to that, same with Christianity. But there are times that they become more obedient than what they were when they were first born. Huh? And you're hoping by the time they leave your house that they pretty well got that obedient thing under control. That they went from a point of time of getting little things right to getting more things right by the time they leave the house. Because faith is operating, faith is increasing, faith is growing, and a living faith has works and obedience. No one say amen. And so as their faith grows, proportionally their obedience does. Or I hear people out there preaching with me. My God, pass the mic around this morning. <laughs> so he says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, your measure of faith, to the maturity of faith. How in the world? Because the Bible says whenever this whole thing started, what he didn't impute to us, 1 Corinthians, I believe it is 5, tells us, he didn't impute to us our transgressions, but he gave us what? His righteousness. And he took our transgressions. See the revelation of God's righteousness from the time when we just had a measure of faith until we mature to greater faith. He's all the time taking your wrongs and putting them on his shoulders. Amen. And so the question then is this. How do I go from having a measure of faith to having an attribute of faith? Spoken of in Galatians 5. This is going to help somebody. Lean in maybe. The primary source of faith is the word of God. Hearing the word, and I denote that, hearing the word of God inspires faith. With great purpose, he had the old Jews come together for three major feasts. And there was usually some incorporation of the word of God. He wasn't just doing that because they needed to see each other, although that was important. There's a sense of importance that we receive from that. From Hebrews chapter number 10, we're able to comfort one another, encourage one another with our words. But he also knew that if he didn't have them come together and they could hear the word of God, 
It was going to build their faith and help them in their maturity in their walk with the Lord. Because folks, quite frankly, not just, I know there's an element of this that didn't happen when you read it, but the scripture said when you hear it, flowing in my faith because of what I hear concerning God's scriptures. When I read how he supplied the needs of several, how the lady didn't have nothing but a little pot of oil left in her house, yet God increased that and used that, not just to supply the need of her family, but also to get her children back. Whenever I read that, that bolsters my faith. Amen. That I know that God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, if he supplied the need then, he can supply the need now. If he healed then, he can heal now. Amen. That increases my faith. It generates faith in us. Because God's word is nothing but this, a past record that becomes our promise for a future reward. I'll say it again. God's word is a past record, amen, that becomes our promise for a future reward. That helps my faith. So the Bible then says in Romans 10, 17, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God. So while you're sitting here this morning, we're feeding your faith. We're feeding your faith by the word of God. And so we're trying to get it from that place of a measure of faith to an attribute of faith that we read of in Galatians 5. The Bible states that in the Gospel of Matthew, Gospel, I believe it is, Matthew chapter 17, the disciples were somewhat troubled. They come to the Lord. They said, Lord, uh, there's this boy here that a man has. He, he, has, he has a devil or something in him. He's, he's throwing himself into the fire. He's throwing himself into the water. And it seems like we, we cannot do anything uh, uh, about this condition. And Jesus, this was his response to them. He told them, he said, if ye have faith, look, as a grain of mustard seed. Then he continued to tell them how they could accomplish some mighty things with just having faith. And, and the similarity or the analogy made was just as a grain of mustard seed. All right? Now keep that in mind. We take this same concept of this, this grain of mustard seed if they could just have faith like that. We're going to learn a few other things from another parable. In Matthew chapter 13, there's another parable that he spoke concerning a, a grain of mustard seed or a mustard seed. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 13, and I'll just read it to you this morning. In verse 31, here's another parable. And our idea is how he likened faith to a grain of mustard seed. For our purposes, we're going to learn a little bit more from this parable, though. Another parable put he forth in them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. So in here, he's likening the kingdom of heaven to a mustard seed. But also in, in another time he had likened faith to a grain of mustard seed. So which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all seeds. Look, he said the, the, the mustard seed is the least of all seeds. It's got nothing to boast. And also the measure of faith that's been given to us is very minuscule compared to all the faith that God has for us. And he says, so, so it's the least of all. But when it is grown... When this thing is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. It even becometh a tree, the Bible says, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. And so he says the mustard seed is also similar to faith. And although it may be small when it begins, or you've been dealt and measured a measure of faith in your life, if you will, what did the guy do with the mustard seed? He put it in the ground. He nurtured it. 
He cultivated it. He made sure it had the environment proper that it might flourish and grow. And the Bible says when it grew, it became the greatest, if you will, of herbs of any. It even became a tree because it went from faith to faith. It went from a measure of faith to an attribute of faith. And it all happened because somebody cultivated it, took time with it, did what was needed in order for it to mature. Amen. And grow. God does some of that in our lives because he'll try your faith. And through the process of trying your faith, he's trying to cause your faith to grow. Mm -hmm. We have faith for salvation. Major. But then, as the stories have been told over here the past few weeks, people lose jobs. There's not money for the bills. God brings them through that. You know what just happened? They put another hole in their belt buckle of faith. Huh? And then in other scenarios, you know, people are given terminal illnesses. They go through process. They come out, blood Fred, and they are in remission, so to speak, as they say it. But what happens is God just put another notch in your back buckle of faith. Yeah. And so that at this juncture in the journey of life as a Christian, you are not at the same faith level as you were when you first come to know God. What's happening? The fruit of the Spirit. There's something maturing. There's something that is being developed that's more than what it was to begin with. And I, I, would, I would be hard-pressed to believe that every single one of us could not look behind ourselves and say, I tell you what, concerning faith with God, amen, allowing myself to be given to the control of another and obedient to Him, I am further along on this journey than I was whenever I first come to the Lord. I know when I first come, I surrendered and said, God, here's my life, here's my body. I received the gift of the Spirit. But there's been some times along the way I've shook my head and I've shuddered under what was going to come over me. But by faith by faith I was obedient to him and I trusted in his word and it's been okay you've grown you've demonstrated a fruit of the spirit called faith by degrees from faith to faith that's the reason why Peter 2 Peter 1 he even admonished his audience which I want you to understand that his audience was a group of spirit-filled people. People that he describes as being partakers of the divine nature. He's speaking to those type of people. And he tells them, these type of people that have the spirit of God, to add to their faith. Amen. And that's something that we must be involved in day by day, year after year. And that is to keep on adding to the faith, the measure that was given us, keep adding to that, that it becomes an attribute, if you will. An attribute in faith, a gift, a fruit, if you will, of the Spirit. Because after we come to God, the faith that every man has been given must be added to. Must be added to. It must grow into a faith that is an attribute of the Christian life. The Bible says in 1 John 5, and verse 4, look at this. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now note now, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So if you're born of God, now let's think about this. If you're born of God, 
You're born of God because you received the spirit of God, right? Mm-hmm. Nicodemus, you must be born of what, water and? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're born of God because you received the spirit of God. If you have not the spirit of Christ, you're none of his, according to Romans 8. None of his. So if, you have, if, if you've been born of God, you have the spirit of God, and you overcome the world. He said, whatsoever. doesn't matter. If it's born of God, it's overcome the world. He said, but this is the victory. This is the victory. This is the means and the way by which we have overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith that when you say faith entails works and obedience. We're overcoming the world by our obedience and our faith. What's that mean? I see and I hear the word of God. It states certain things that I've not yielded myself to be under the control of. Uh-huh. Yeah. We all have things still yet in the world, in the word rather, that we've not yielded ourselves fully to, to have control of. But when by faith, I say you in control. Goes back to some of those first three lessons that we started all this in, you know, keeping the flesh on the cross. Remember me and Brother Josh Johnson, him leading, I'm leading. You remember that? That when my hand went up, his hand went up. <laughs> because he yielded himself to the control of another obedience faith. You're relying not on yourself, but you're relying on another. Said that victory aids us in overcoming the world. It is our faith. Everybody say faith. Now, there's a tragedy, and I believe this is utmost a, a, a tragedy. There's a tragedy today with some modern translations of Scripture because they've translated the word faith in Galatians 22 and other places for that matter. They have translated the word faith in Galatians as faithfulness, the fruit of the Spirit being love, joy, peace, throwing in faithfulness. The tragedy is that... 239 times out of 244 times the word that is used for faith in Galatians 3.22 is translated faith in the Bible. They're saying that is faithfulness. Now the reason why this is a tragedy is this. Because faithfulness has to do with how reliable or trustworthy I am. Whereas faith has to do with how reliable and trustworthy the object that I believe in is. Or yes, as Bishop said, for our purposes, how trustworthy and reliable God is. Mm -hmm. See, changing that to faithfulness makes it more about me than it is about God. And so true faith really differs from faithfulness. Amen. Amen. In that true faith is not dependent. True faith is not dependent upon the person that's exercising it. But it's upon the truth about God or the one who it is in. Someone say amen. So with that being said, the fruit of the Spirit then, it's not faithfulness as they do it because the fruit of the Spirit is about God, not solely about me. If I can say it more clearly, ultimately, the fruit of the spirit of faith is about what I'm allowing God to do through me. But what? My faith, that includes my obedience. And so, now, I don't want to know what Herman McGee said. 
Faith doesn't have anything to do with faithfulness. No, it does. Certainly, our faith in God is evidenced by our faithfulness in our life. And the reason because what we believe or what we have faith in shapes what we do. Right? Me in the ocean, my action was a result of having faith. It shaped or influenced what I did in that moment. Right? Someone say amen. amen. I have faith this morning. I have faith this morning. I can touch both of these lights. This is faith right here. When I push them down, that light up there and those back there are going off. I know you didn't pay no money for this this morning, but this right here is very magical. I have faith. Boom. My faith just shaped what I did. If I wanted them off, I did the action because I had it, it, it shaped my action because I had faith that worked. And I'll tell you this right now this morning. I don't know all the, 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 the expert lingo and jargon to describe exactly everything that just happened right there in the electrical world. Okay? If we had a licensed electrician here this morning, I guarantee you with his knowledge, he could probably describe in detail exactly the process of what just happened in order for us to have this effect. I don't know all that. But see, with faith... I don't have to understand. Because I can have a child walk up here with no knowledge how any of that stuff works. But if they got the faith, it can do the same thing for them to want to do the action. I bring my little boy seven out here and I'll say, I can say him what the impact and effect I want. I want that light and that light off. You know what he's going to do? He's going to walk over here. By faith, because he's going to walk over here. He says, that's the effect he wants. I have faith that if I flip those off, it's going to, he don't know how all the ins and outs of how all that takes place, but he don't have to understand it to get the same result. Someone say amen. Now, I'm a little older. I do probably have a little knowledge, and I could explain a few things concerning what just happened right there. Amen. But that doesn't limit from him coming over and flipping the switch. Amen. It's all about, amen, faith. And look at it. Faith is not in the person. It's in what you have your faith in. Amen. That brings the, the if you will, the power in the demonstration. So you don't have to understand because it's not dependent upon you. He just has to understand. He just has to know. He just has to have the power. And if I have faith in him, I'll get the same result as you get because it's not about us. It's about faith. It's about him. Amen. Reliable, trustworthy, that source. And so much the Bible says in Hebrews 11, 1, now faith. The Bible even defines faith for us. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Remember, I just really don't know about all this. I don't know about having, you know, I think you have to have a certain level of understanding in order to operate and do so on and so forth. Well, and again, you might have a surface knowledge. Nobody get in their vehicle today and turn the ignition switch then. Unless you know every little function from the moment that you hit that switch that happens under that engine and electrically and stuff in order to produce what produces. Don't you go home today. Because it's not about you. It's about
about the source that you have faith in. And so the Bible says, now faith is the substance. There's two phrases here. Substance of things hoped for is one. The other phrase, the evidence of things not seen, which in reality is just a different way to say the other phrase. Just a different way to say the other phrase. Substance. We can actually define that, amen, in the Greek scripture as the confidence of things hoped for. Evidence in scripture defined in the Greek can even be the conviction of things not seen. So meaning that our confidence and our conviction in the hoped for things and the unseen things, they get turned into reality for you and I. Although they may not even materialize yet. That's faith. Because our belief is in the source. You got a disease. I'm, con I'm confident and convicted in the thing that I've not seen yet. Right? In the thing that I'm hoping for. I'm laying hands on you. And many times we're rejoicing. And everybody's like, what their deal? Because for us, it's so real as though it already happened, though we don't see it yet. Ten lepers come to the Lord. He says, go show yourself to the priest. They're still without nose, some of them without ears, still with all the pus running all over their body. But in their faith, how do you know they had faith? They were obedient to go. How do you know they had a living faith? There were some works. They didn't stay right there, but they went on their way to the priest. And as they went, the scripture says, they were healed. And one was even made whole because he came back and worshiped. Why? Because he had an idea. Hey, this thing is so real. Even before it even started happening, I knew something was going to take place. Someone say amen. amen. That's faith. So future things can be real to us when we exercise faith. The Bible or the faith in Galatians is a faith that works. The Bible says in James 2.22, and I'm hurrying. The Bible says in James 2.22, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works? And by works was faith made perfect? Question mark. In other words, by works, faith was made perfect. Better, better interpreted from its meaning. Faith was made works. By works, faith was made complete. So it goes to reason this. If by works faith is made perfect or complete, without works faith would be imperfect or incomplete. Or as James said, it's dead. Amen. So the attribute of faith in our lives, as in Galatians 5, is that faith that is fully, listen to me very well, faith that is fully convinced of God, convicted of God. Listen to me cannot go on and live its life as though God doesn't exist. Someone hear me today? Someone that is surely convicted and convinced of God, faith, cannot live their life as though he doesn't exist. And that's where we get to the real grassroots of the fruit of faith in our life. Because when you bear the fruit of faith, you're convinced and you're, you're convicted that there is a God. You can't live your life as though there isn't one. Someone say amen. amen. Because faith will then affect our character. 
Because as we're yielding to the control of another, primarily through our obedience, it's going to affect our character. I'm going to close with this. Stand with me so you'll help me close. Here's the idea that you must not fall prey to. I believe that some may be, not necessarily here, but I don't know, but some are falling prey to the idea that our character, the transformation of our character will happen and take place and be a result of the miracle power of Christ Jesus when he returns for the church. And when Christ returns for the church, he's going to take care of all those character issues when he returns. Please do not fall prey to that thinking. Because when Christ comes, he's not coming necessarily to bestow some great characterization now upon us. He's coming to confirm our citizenship. When he comes, he's not coming to make us citizens. He's coming to give confirmation that we are. That's not meaning he's fixing our character then. It's that we should have a suitable character prior to then. The spirit of that day that comes, it's not in the process of making our, our character fit for immorality or, or immortality. It is that he's going to make our bodies fit for immortality. Uh-huh. And so our character must already be suitable. How does that happen? From faith to faith. From a measure of faith to a faith that is the fruit of the spirit. That grows by God's word. And when it hears God's word, it's a living faith that works as an obedience to the spirit. It's leaning on and giving itself to under the control. Does any of that make sense to anybody? Amen. It's a faith that is obedient and that works. If we can bow our heads across this place today. Hallelujah. And I'll just pray a prayer over you this morning. And us that God would help us in this development of our lives. Father, I come. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.